0: We are out here in downtown Woodstock interviewing people from all different areas of life. Maybe they're old, maybe they're young, maybe they smell. Just kidding, they don't. Okay, that's mean. All right, we're here with our first interviewee of the day, Jessica. Jessica, um, what do you think about the American church today? (laughs) She's nervous. Okay. Um, What's your favorite food? Okay. Cody, nice to meet you. It's a boy name, but you know, what can you do about it at this point? It was your parents. Blame it on them. Alright, everybody. America. It's not America. It's just Canton. It's fine, but it's still important. Okay, so we're out here uh, with, what's your name? Kyle. Say it one more time. Kyle. Kylie. Alright, we're out here with Kylie. What do you think happens when you die?
1: You go to heaven or you go to hell.
0: Wow. Kyle coming in hot with the Christian answers. Here we go. (laughs) What happens when you die? I think that um our souls kind of just leave our body and we um go into another um not sort of realm but kind of what do you think happens when you die when you just croak
1: I don't know I haven't died yet I'm going to heaven
0: I personally believe in like you either go to heaven or you either go to hell um just depending on the way you live your life and if you decide if you want to commit to Christ or not. It's like a, in 3 a.m. like, deep thoughts, hours, I wish I knew the answer. I wish, I bet a lot of people wish they knew the answer. All right, come on, I gotta get Rosemary. Okay, I'm gonna pick it up, don't worry. <laughs> Why do you think it's so hard for people to overcome struggles or sins in their life?
1: Because they're fun and they're easy to to allow yourself to do it, it's hard to do what's actually right.
0: Maybe certain things they shouldn't even feel guilty about, but maybe other people make them feel a little bit guilty about. I think a lot of it has to do with the groups that they hang out with. I know I've fallen into that, where you want to impress other people. Yeah. Okay. I'm sweating a little bit, but it's fine. Let's talk to the Lord! If my breath smells like coffee, I'm so sorry. Can you smell my coffee breath? Oh, thank God. Okay. Do you think that this sweater makes me look like a grandma? Absolutely not. Why do you think that depression is such an epidemic today? I think it's more out there than it's ever been before. And um, unfortunately, it's more with our kids. It's like a thing. I think it's very easy for people to feel kind of trapped in their own self.
1: I think it comes down to a person being lonely. They they get isolated and they like get stuck in their thoughts.
0: Would you give me a piggyback ride right now? Sure. Straight. Yes. This is conversations, people.
1: Never know. No, we do know. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say if you're a guest here, I wish I could say it's different most weeks, but it's not. That's our Cody. So, hey, you know, you know, uh, uh, I was I was watching that, and none of you under 40 are gonna get this at all. But as I was watching her with that giant microphone, this is all I could think of right here. How many know who that is? Oh, Bob, with his long, giant microphone. I love it. I love it. Good job, Pastor Cody. That's really good. All right, listen, before we jump into the new series, uh, a lot of you signed up for Discovery class uh, today. That's beginning today, and lunch and all of that starts right after the service, so don't forget if you signed up for that. If you signed up. We don't have enough for you. You didn't sign up, okay? So no sneaking back there, but if you signed up... um, jump in there with us. We're going to start a, uh, a new series, a series we do every year called Conversations. I love this series because it allows me to kind of put my, my finger on the pulse of the church and kind of hear your heart, where you're at, what's on your mind, and, and all of those things. And I want to remind you, though, of the subtitle of this uh, series, You Have Questions, The Word of God Has Answers, Not The Pastor. Okay. The word of God has, I'm just a guy, I'm just a man, like, you know, and I'm no different than you. I don't claim to have any kind of final authority on anything because of my title, Um, but I know who does. I know who does. And so as I navigate these conversations over the next three weeks, uh, rest assured, I'm going to be relying on our roadmap to life and not my opinion, not my, uh, I mean, there is going to be some opinion there because some of this is gray area stuff but I'm going to tell you when it's my opinion and when it's thus saith the Lord because I know it's not popular even in church but the word of God is our authority that we can stand on it never changes and we can stand on it and go to it for life's most difficult questions and even when the answer is not what we want a the peace of God can come from that like nothing else. And if you are a regular here you're wondering why is pastor sitting at a table. I'm wondering the same thing right now. But this the series is called conversations. So I'll, in a, an attempt to be more conversational, I'm sitting at a table instead of preaching back and forth like I normally do. I'm trying to to change my tone a little bit this morning. This is an experiment. It may not be this way next week. We'll see how it goes. Because I I love to preach, but I'm trying to be a little less preachy and a little more conversational. So we'll see how that goes. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We're so thankful for your presence. I sense your Holy Spirit. And God, right now I'm praying that you would come and open our hearts and our minds and our spirit to the word of God. Lord, make your word prophetic. Do do a work in our life this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. All right. So let me address this first. We got a ton of questions, which is awesome. It's wonderful that we got so many questions, but if I were to hit every single one of them, we'd be here until like the end of 2019. So we can't do that. If you sent in a question that was a little more personal, a little more specific, it wasn't general, probably not going to hit that. But if you look on the screen, I'm going to put a, a, an email address up there, right there, right there. Okay. Uh, if you'll go to that email address, send, send your question again with your name on it, and we will try to get back with you. Uh, and if you even want to set up an appointment with me, you can do that with that same email. Because that's important to me. If you've got a real question, that if, you, if you want to sit down and talk about it, that, that we will. That's my commitment to you. Also, a lot of questions came in that I've already answered in other sermons. But it maybe came from a new person who wasn't here and so uh, some of those questions had to do with why do bad things happen to good people? Um, in theology world, that's the problem of evil. The problem of evil. You know, God is all-powerful. If God is a God of love and he is all-powerful, why does he allow evil things, bad things to happen to innocent or people, children, things like that? Valid question. But I have already answered that. Also, uh, a group of questions came in about again about women in leadership, church leadership, pastoring, <laughs> preaching, teaching, things like that. I addressed that last year in the same thing. And, so, and then one more, a questions, uh, several questions about homosexuality. Is it, Can you be gay and a Christian? Is it, it worse sin? Is it less sin? You know, whatever. So I did an entire sermon on each of these things. And we will give you the link. If you'll email, we'll give you the link to that and we'll give you the manuscript so that you can study that. It's that important, okay? So there you go. All right, thank you, Tom. Woo, thank you, appreciate it, brother. Let's give our band and our worship team today a hand. (laughs) Pastor Dan, you noticed Pastor Dan, our worship pastor, wasn't up here. He had his tonsils removed. You don't want that. Look at this, y'all. Look at this, y'all. You want to talk about going up Woo, glory, hallelujah. I feel the anointing just like settled. So in my effort to be conversational, I even have a cup of coffee, and now I have a fresh cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. So who has the coffee? Raise it up. Who's got, who's got coffee? Everybody, let's take a drink, right? That's a little bit sweet, but that's fine. All right. He doesn't know me that well. Okay. <clears throat> wow. No sugar in my coffee from now on. That's fine. All right, so let's jump into, we got four new questions that we're going to hit today, and some of these are really, really difficult. I'll just warn you ahead of time, and I even thought about pushing them to the end, just kind of pushing these off to the end of the series, but you guys know me if you've been around here. We're all just going to do a cannonball into the deep end this morning and just jump right into them. Um, Now, I can't take too much time with each question because we're going to do four of them, so it's going to kind of be rapid fire. It's going to be kind of like drinking water from a fire hose. So just get ready, kind of keep up. And here's here's what I want. If one of these questions speaks to you, jumps out to you, go home, open the word of God, and dig in a little more for yourself. I hope to inspire some of you to do that. So take notes, stay engaged, and here we go. First question, what makes it so hard to stop reoccurring sins? What makes it so hard to stop reoccurring sins? Now, in the video, Pastor Cody kind of talked about this, and we got a bunch of different answers. One of those uh, answers was one girl said, you know what, why are you, anybody making you feel guilty? You can do whatever you want. There is no sin. That's basically what she was saying. You, people are making you feel guilty over something you shouldn't even feel guilty over because you can decide for yourself. What is wrong? Another girl said something very good. She's like, I think it has a lot to do with who we hang out with. Amen? Amen. If you are struggling with alcohol, it's probably not a good idea to hang out with a drunk and go to a bar. Just saying. And, you know, whatever. You fill in the blank. Now, I am going to throw just a couple of things out here. Just a couple of... It's not exhaustive. Just a couple of thoughts. We're talking about what makes it so hard to stop recurring sins. Number one, we're focused on it. We're focused on it. We think about it all the time. We become obsessed with it. Come on, if you're on a diet and you're thinking only about donuts, what's going to happen? You're eventually going to get a donut. Whatever we are focused on, we are more likely to do. Whatever we are focused on, we are more likely to do. Kathy and I, began watching a Netflix original show that was uh, filmed in the area, so we were interested in it. And we began watching it, and the, the premise was very interesting. The acting was amazing. The the, the storyline was really, really cool. But, man, we started watching it, and it was like the language was terrible. The scenes were terrible. And, and it's like, all right, maybe they're just like going for shock and awe here right at the beginning of this thing. You know, Shock and awe, they're going to they're gonna taper it off a little bit as it goes into it. So we finally had to just stop watching it. Now, I'm, this is not, you, you live your life, okay? This is not me up here, you know, <laughs> this woman just slapped her husband. Anyway, <laughs> you, you, live, you live your life. This is not judgmental. I'm just saying, what we allow in does affect our behavior. What we allow in, it's the old adage, garbage in garbage out it's it's the truth it's the truth listen to what uh, paul says in philippians 4 8 he says now dear brothers and sisters one final thing he's like i've said all of this lean in listen to this fix your thoughts focus on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise Focus, we, folks, we can't focus on unhealthy things and expect to stay healthy. We can't focus on unhealthy things and expect to stay healthy. Number two, we're talking about what's, why is it so hard to stop reoccurring sins. We might have an addiction and need freedom. We might have an addiction. Now, again, I'm moving fast. There is no way that I can cover what Dr. Thomason and Lori covers in eight weeks about in their freedom class, which we're going to be doing again soon, by the way. So just keep your eyes out for that. That's an amazing source, and that's what you really need to do. But let me make this statement. Freedom is not about a what, but a who. Freedom is not about a what, a list, but about a who. It's about more of God's presence, more of God's influence in our lives than the world. And I think my, my thoughts are the first real, real step to this that you can do immediately if you have an addiction in your life is confess it. First to God. And I'm not talking about confessing it in your heart and in your mind. I'm talking about open your mouth and say, God, I can't do this. On my own. I can't get over this. I can't get through this. I can't get past this. I can't overcome this by myself. I need your help. And then go to someone who you can trust, who knows the Lord, male with male, female with female, and you confess that thing to them. And you ask them to pray with you and hold you accountable, and you keep them up to date. And this is someone you can trust to keep their mouth shut. It's nobody else's business. You confess. Listen to James 5.16. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Isn't that what we want? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results, including freedom. Come on, listen. When you push that stronghold out of the darkness of your soul, and into God's light through confessing it, it automatically becomes weaker in your life, immediately becomes weaker. Is there still a battle? Yes. It's not over, but that's like, it immediately becomes weaker in your life when you confess it and get it out of there. Amen? All right. I hope you have your fishing poles because we are about to open a can of worms. I thought that would get a little more of a response. I thought that was clever. You know? Dad joke. Okay, whatever. Here's the question. Do you, and I'm assuming me, pastor, do you believe in once saved, always saved? Once saved, always saved. Just curious, how many have heard of, heard, know what I'm talking about when you hear that statement? Raise your hand. Pretty good amount. Not everybody, but pretty good amount. So really this question is addressing my stance, my belief on the doctrine of eternal security. Okay, Eternal security is the belief that once you get saved, you can never lose your salvation. I want this coffee really bad, but it's so sweet. Now, this is a really, really hot topic, has been for centuries, hot topic, debated, debated. there's, There's no way I can solve this theological argument in five minutes. But the question isn't about the theological argument. The question is my belief as your pastor. And so I can do that based on my studies of Scripture. Okay? Let me tell you and be clear, this is one of those areas that's a little bit gray, and this is my opinion based on my studies of Scripture. Paul says some things you have to work out with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. If you disagree with me, this is not one of those things you need to be like, I can't stay at that church. I'm, come on. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Here's my thoughts. I think you're going to find this hard to disagree with, though, The way my, my angle. If a person makes a confession of faith, they come to an altar, they say a prayer, sign a card, whatever. But there is no transformation. There is no change of heart. There is no fruit of of salvation, no evidence of salvation. My belief is there was never conversion to begin with. The person wasn't saved to begin with in the first place. Listen to the words of Christ. In Matthew 7, 19. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Notice he didn't say judge people. He said identify people. God is the judge. Identify people by their actions. Listen to what he says. It's very sobering in verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do, everybody say do, who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. James, the brother of Jesus, in his epistle, his book, he says faith without works, faith without evidence, without obedience is what? Dead. He's literally, in the original language, the original Greek, he's literally saying your Christianity is like a corpse. No power, no life. Now, Pastor, you're, you're, you're in danger of preaching a works gospel here, right? Everybody listen. I don't want you to misquote me. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Somebody give him praise. You cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. Jesus is the atonement, the Lamb of God we sang about. But our works are proof that we are saved. Let me say it again. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. But our works, our fruit, our evidence, are proof that we have been saved. Is that sinking in? Does that make sense? All right, but now let's go to the other side of the coin because I have a feeling this this question perhaps came from a place of fear. Or, God forbid, it came from a place to find out how far somebody could go before they lost their salvation. How far to the edge of the world can I get before I lose it? I hope that wasn't the motive behind this, but it could have been. Let's go to the other side of the coin. Listen now, this is good news. If you have turned over your life to Christ and you are following him and you are going after him and your relationship is getting stronger with him each day, your Christianity, your salvation is not fragile. It's not fragile. I want you to hear me. Look at the screen. You don't lose your salvation every time you fail. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? That's good news. But if you want your relationship to stay strong with Christ, is it everybody in that boat? I hope? We want our relationship with Christ. I mean's the strongest relationship in our lives. If you want that, it's important that when we do sin, we confess that sin, We repent of that sin, and we turn away from it, we get up out of the dirt. And we go on with Christ. We move on with Christ. We don't need to get saved over and over again. But instead, we maintain a strong relationship with Christ, always growing, always serving, always helping others. And when we sin, we turn quickly and repent And move on with Christ. 1 John 1 and 9 is a verse that I memorized a long time ago. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guess what? This wasn't written to the world. This wasn't written to non-Christians. This was written to believers. So that tells me when I mess up, when I miss the mark and I fall short and I sin, I have an ad- I know I couldn't do this. I have an advocate with the Father. Come on, I have an advocate with the Father who will stand and who will plead my case on behalf of Come on somebody. We can confess our sin because he is faithful. He died for our sin and we can turn from it and be forgiven. Give him praise if you believe that. Come on. <clears throat> few years back, um, I'm sorry, Rachel, a few years back, Rachel uh, and Kathy were having a conversation and uh, they were talking about sin and different things and what to do. And, and, uh, and uh, Kathy said, (laughs) she's dying over here. This was many, many years ago, like, like last year. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Kathy said, you know, we're all flawed. We are all flawed. And she, I don't think Dad is. (laughs) I wish I could have seen Kathy's face. (laughs) Somehow, somehow, she held it together. And she was like, your father's a good man. (laughs) Praise the name of the... I don't know what that had to do with anything. It was just funny. But she doesn't have that opinion of me anymore. She's, unfortunately. We are all, hey, hey, we are all flawed. We are all fall short of the glory of God. And we have an advocate with the Father as believers, as believers, as believers. And I'm hitting this hard because we've had so many salvations, new Christians sitting right here this morning. And I wanted you to understand, your salvation is not fragile. Amen. We've had a lot of folks come down multiple times to get saved. And I'm not, we've all, if we've grown up in church, we've all done that. And, and we, you know, come down and we're a little worried, we're a little concerned. We kind of did something we weren't supposed to the night before, so we get saved again. And, and some of you have so many Bibles that we've given you, you probably have a whole stack like a cross. But hey, whatever it takes, all I'm saying is that your, your salvation, if you're going after God, let me just let me give you a summary of, of my thoughts. I do not believe, listen, I do not believe you can simply confess your sins, say a prayer, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then go out and live any way you want. There will be no change in your life. You do whatever you want. You walk and do and then expect to go to heaven. The Word of God is very clear about that. So that's a dangerous way to live and to think. Now, but here's the, here's the big idea for this question. If you are truly seeking God, if you are going after him, building a relationship with him, I don't think you ever have to be worried about losing your salvation. Come on. If you receive that, give him a hand clap of praise. Come on. All right. Two more questions and then we're done. Now, this is the most sensitive question of the day. And I tried to to, to sidestep it but the Holy Spirit spoke, and I prayed over each of these things before we did them because there were a lot of questions, and this one I just couldn't get away from. Does suicide make you go to hell? Does suicide make you go to hell? As a young Christian, teenager and young adult, even a young pastor, I saw things a whole lot more black and white then than I do now because I thought I knew everything. I know none of you were that way, and none of you young people are that way, but come on, y'all. I'm trying to lighten up a little bit. And at times, I was very dogmatic and even legalistic. And this is one of those areas that, looking back, I was quite harsh and, I think, very ignorant. Ignorant. I said things like, suicide is the most selfish thing you could ever do. How could a person put their loved one through that? And you know what? At the surface level, that's, that's a fair question. Surface. But then I started learning more. And I started meeting people. And getting into, into situations and families in ministry that were going through this. And learning more about struggles with mental illness. And what I've found is that when someone hits bottom, and we've all been there, but on top of hitting bottom, there's mental illness and depression and anxiety and hopelessness. That combination creates a perfect storm of hopelessness that, that few of us can even fathom. That individual, listen, isn't thinking about anything except relief. Think about someone in a torture chamber being tortured. They are in excruciating pain and eventually that person is not thinking about living but just dying and it being over. Just stop the pain. All right, so here's the deal. For me, I withhold my judgment of that person and that act and where they're going to go after they die, because I am not the judge. God is. And only God can see the heart of a man or woman. Because I know of several cases through my 23, 4 years of ministry, I know of several cases where the person who did this actually did profess to be a Christian and actually did have good fruit in their life. Recently, a pastor So I withhold my judgment because, again, I am not the judge. But listen, I want every eye on me right here, every single eye. If you are here and suicide is a temptation, you think it's an option, please reach out for help. Please. Suicide is not the answer. It may seem like the only way out, but it is not. It is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And once you make that decision, there is no going back. And to be honest, there are so many loved ones that want to help you through it and will be heartbroken in that situation. Please. Reach out. No matter what, no matter how dark it is, you're here this morning. You're here this morning. God has brought you here this morning for a reason. Amen. Our final question. Do Christians immediately go to heaven when they die? Do Christians immediately, this was another one on the video and a lot of different, Ideas and thoughts here, but we're talking specifically about Christians. Do they immediately go to heaven when they die? Quick answer? Yes. Let's bow for prayer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll expl- I'm, I'm going <laughs> sorry, I can't help it. I'll explain that in a second with some scripture, but I want to first say this: I always am I'm very careful. When teaching about something like heaven or hell or prophecy or end times or anything and coming across like I know it all because I don't or like I have it all figured out. And I'm also very nervous to listen to a preacher who thinks they do, who can just go. It's going to be exactly like this. I'm sorry. That makes me really nervous. I love what the old theologian Reinhold Niebuhr says. He says it's unwise. Everybody say unwise. (laughs) It's unwise for Christians to claim a knowledge of either the furniture of heaven or the temperature of hell. In other words, I love that. In other words, we can't know every detail about this stuff. We can't know. We can't cross every T and dot every I when it comes to these things. There is some mystery there. But the Word of God does make one thing perfectly clear, that after death we will go one to two places, heaven or hell, and that arrival will be immediate. Now here, when it comes to heaven, here's where it gets a little bit tricky, and I'm going to put this... On the screen, because I don't want you to misquote me, okay? Look at the screen. The heaven where Jesus is right now is where we would go if we died in this moment. But it is not the same heaven where we will spend eternity. The heaven where Jesus is right now, if we were to die right now in Christ, we would go there immediately, our spirit. But that is not where we will spend eternity, now, some theologians call this heaven that exists right now, get this, present heaven. How creative is that? <laughs> present heaven. Paul, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Paul calls it in, in 2 Corinthians 12 too, he calls it the third heaven. In Luke 23, 43, Jesus calls it paradise when speaking to the thief on the cross. He says, today, today you will be with me. In paradise. When we die in Christ, it's my belief based on Scripture that our spirit is immediately ushered into this present heaven with Christ. We don't go into a soul sleep waiting on the resurrection. We don't go somewhere else. We are not reborn into another body to see if we can do it better this time around. Somebody praise God for that. Woo. If, we are, if we know Jesus, we are immediately with him. Here's some scripture to back that up. Acts 7.59, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen was about to die. He knew he was about to die, but he also knew he was about to be in the presence of Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 1.23, I'm torn between these two desires. I long to go be with, everybody say with, to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Well, how was Paul going to go be with Christ? He had to die through execution. Whatever the situation, he was going to die. And he knew as soon as he died, he would be with Christ. And of course, he preferred that, as we do, to this world. But he knew it was better at that moment for him to live on. Now, this is my favorite. 2 Corinthians 5, 8. We are confident. We are confident. Well pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Absent with the body, present with the Lord. There is no in-between, there is no waiting, there is no sleeping. If we are in Christ and we are absent from the body through death, we will be present with Jesus. I hope that gives you a little bit of hope this morning. Does it? All right. All right, so that's the present heaven where will we spend eternity? Jesus says in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. We get a little clearer picture in Revelation 21, and this one excites me. If you don't to get excited with this, something is wrong. Revelation 21 says, then I saw a new heaven. Everybody say new heaven. Yes. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven, the present heaven, And the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with Them, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no death or sorrow or crying or pain. It will all be gone forever. And you know what I say? Even so, Lord, come quickly. Somebody give God praise. Come on. Hallelujah. That wasn't very conversational, was it? I'm sorry. Hmm. Now, Even with that scriptural evidence that I just gave you, there are some good Christians, pastors, theologians, denominations who would disagree with some of what I just gave you. Guess what? It's fine. It's okay. Because we're not dead yet. Jesus hasn't come back yet. God didn't give us the exact details. I think there is room for dialogue and conjecture, but here I want you to hear me, hear me, hear me. The gospel is not about where heaven is or what it looks like. The gospel is about how we can spend eternity with Jesus Christ forever. Come on. Paradise? Present heaven, third heaven, new heaven. I don't care what heaven it is, as long as Jesus is there with me. Come on, somebody. (laughs) As long as Jesus is there, I'm good. I'm good. And you're good. That's all we want. That's all we want. It may work out just like I taught right there. There may be some twists and turns. The the deal is, if we know Christ, we're going to be all right. And we're going to be with him. Forever. Forever. That is the hope that we have. No matter what is happening in your life, no matter what is going on with your kids, no matter what is happening in your finances, no matter what is happening on your job or what issues you are facing, we have the hope of glory. We have the hope of Christ in us. And we need to share that hope with others. We need to live that hope and allow that hope to permeate and come through every pore of our body to those that we love and those that we work with and those that we go to school with. We have the gospel in our heart and in our life. And it will be all right. Would you stand with me?